your hand on this group of people as uh, we listen to the word brought to us from you through Mike. Uh, dear Lord, please keep your hands on these folks tonight as we uh, endeavor in your word and uh, set out on this journey of belief and wonder and mystery of your awe, of your wonder and, and gratefulness, dear Lord. Uh, I'm pretty short on words, so <laughs> with that, I say amen. 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 <laughs> Thank you, Lynn. Because we do things a little differently around here. What's about to happen? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know. This, this fellow right here, that means a lot to me. Mm. And I don't pray nearly enough for him. And we as a group, I'm sure, don't pray nearly enough for him. It's a lot to be here to bring God what God has on his heart. Now, there's been stuff going on in his life that has hurt his heart, his son's heart. His mama has not been doing well. So that hurts my mama's heart. So tonight, Pop and I, he gods, I'm going to have to pray. and Just bear with me as I blubber through this. But we're going to pray for this fellow that we love. Okay? And I encourage you during the week that you lift him up. Okay? Father, Father, thank you for the gift of another son. I ask that you strengthen him as he walks through uncertain days for both of his parents. It's a hard walk to make. Many of us have made that walk ourselves. So I ask that you strengthen him that you give him courage, perseverance, peace, but joy, Father, as he trusts in you. Father, our son has been hurting this week. Uh, we ask you to give him courage and wisdom concerning his mama and his daddy. I pray uh, for his mama and daddy, and I pray that uh, you will give Dan strength to care for his mama. Mm -hmm. I pray that you will give uh, Mike the wisdom in uh, discussing with his daddy and his mama what might need to come about. Father, he loves you. We love you. We praise you. And, Father, we just ask you to comfort him, give him peace and guidance. Because you're the best at that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mike. I love you, honey. I know you do. All right. <laughs> okay, now. Wowzers. <laughs> wow. I'm drinking that in. All right. And uh, mom, pop, thanks.
you've modeled that beautifully for as many years as I've ever been around. And uh, when I wasn't drinking it in. So I'm lapping it up right now. So thanks for being y'all. That's why I say, you know, I, I invite people here all the time because I want them to feel that. Who, was, who wouldn't want that? <laughs> and, and you're delivering it. So anyway, man, thanks. Woo! Open up your book. Open up your screen to 1 Corinthians. What we're going to do tonight is when you leave here tonight, my heart and my goal for tonight is that when you go home, that you'll be able to lead your family uh, and others in the Lord's Supper. Some of you may have heard of it referred to as the Eucharist. Communion, Lord's Supper. But here what we want to make sure of is to tell you the why behind it. You know, and I was reminded this week of a story that I read about when uh, it was Thanksgiving and they were preparing the ham for the Thanksgiving and the daughter saw the mom cutting the ends of the ham off and placing it in the pot. And so the daughter was curious and said, why, why are you putting, Mama, why are you cutting the ends of the ham off and putting it in the pot? And she goes, I don't know, go ask your, my mama, your grandmama, and, and see what she says. And, and so she did, and, and grandmama goes, you know what, that, we just cut them off. I don't know, I saw my mama doing it, and this girl was blessed because her, she had her great-grandmother there, you know. And, and so they went and asked her, and, and so they went and asked, uh, I'm just going to say Grand Gigi. You know, Grand Gigi, why did you cut the ends of the ham off before you put it in the pot? And she said, well, we, we were too poor and didn't have a big enough pot, so we had to cut the ends of it off to get it to fit in the pot. <laughs> so there was a lot of whys in that. You know, why do we do that? And it, and it stopped them in their tracks of going, you know, I'm really not sure. I don't know why we do that. And I think for a lot of us in the body of Christ is that if someone were to come up to us today and say, so why do you guys do this juice thing? Why do, why do you do the cup? And why do you do the bread? And so would you be just anxious and wanting to explain the why behind that? You know, would you be confident in that? And so I want us to be confident in that so that when you're at a restaurant or you're at a home or you're wherever, that this is a uniter. If you hear anything at all, this is a uniter because you're doing it in remembrance of Christ. But why? That's why we're here tonight. So let's find out. So we got 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 20. This is Paul writing into a people. And gang, the people and the culture and the time, if we were to fast forward it to today, it would look a lot like us. Very cultural place, affluent, socioeconomic, all over the place. Had, had the poor, had the rich, had the middle class. It would look a lot like us. Okay, And so Paul's writing into these people and just giving them reminders. And so what he's saying in this particular part of the letter, he's going, look, when you meet together, this is verse 20 of chapter 11, when you meet together, you're really not interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you, hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. <laughs> what? <laughs> Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? 
Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? Isn't that interesting? Hold that thought. Paul goes on to say, what am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. And look who he just referred to before that. The poor. Okay? Let's move on. 23. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord Himself. On the night when He was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, gave thanks to God for it. Then He broke it in pieces and said, This is My body which is given for you. Do this to remember who? Who's the me referring to? Absolutely. Let's move on. In 25. In the same way, He took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant, promise, it means promise, agreement. It's what I'm going to do. So He's saying this new cup, this cup is the new covenant between God and His people, confirmed with My blood. That's Jesus. Do this to remember who? And who's the me again? Jesus. As often as you drink it, for 26, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until He comes again. So anyone who eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. And we finish it up here and it says, that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. 29, for if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Now, yikers. <laughs> Look at the first part of it. And what do you see? What's the scene that you see in that first part of what the Lord's Supper even looked like? Let me, let me tell you this. You know what it was called before it was called the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist or the Communion? It was called the love feast. That's how our first century brothers and sisters referred to it. We're going to have a love feast tonight. Y'all bring something and come on. Everyone. Hey, we're going to have a love feast tonight. Everyone come. It would be like when we have our potluck, you know, the latest one. You know, everyone brings their great nanner puddings. <laughs> they, you think they had nanner pudding back then? I don't know. But they would bring their stuff and they would share it. And what is Paul saying at the very first of this? You're not waiting. Why aren't you waiting? There's some that can't bring nanner puddings. There's some that can't bring diet sundrop. There are some that can't bring the pot roast, but we want them with you. We it's all of us together, right? And so that's what he's saying. Here's here's what one of the um, Depending on who you read, this is what they were bringing to this meal. I mean, it was a communal meal. There was milk, honey, fruit, wine, bread. In a lot of places, they did partake of the meal in order to satisfy appetites. Now, gang, you got to remember this. Whenever you started telling people that you follow Jesus, it wasn't the great sexy thing to do. People just didn't stand around and applaud you. It was hard. And so there was this even more need for us to be able to share with one another because some started to go without. Alright? 
And so we got this communal, communal meal. And so why the bread? And why the cup? All right? So let's take the bread. What did Jesus tell Paul, and what did He tell the disciples when He was at the Last Supper? What does the bread represent? Alright, why is that important that it represents His body? Yeah, keep going. Because He was crucified. So why did Christ have to be crucified? Yeah. Now here's where we'll take a quick time out. Depending on what your world view is and depending on who you start to talk to, the first thing you have to find out from someone is do you believe in an afterlife? If someone doesn't believe in an afterlife, this means nothing. If they don't believe that there's any penalty, if they don't believe there's any um, harm, if they don't believe there's any good, then they're looking at you going, who cares? And then our role in that, at that point, is to do what? You keep loving the socks off of them. 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 You keep inviting them to meals. You keep helping them when they're down. Let them love you. And at some point, their Jesus heart just may start flashing and they'll come back and say, now what did you say that bread was for? Alright, someone pick up, someone read this real quick. Someone pick up Colossians 1.19. And as you're, put, who's going to read that? Someone say, I got it. Colossians 1.19. Thanks, Bob. Hang on just for a second. This is what Jesus said about the bread. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And so as you just beautifully said, it represents Him. Why was there a need for sacrifice? Pay or send it. This is the afterlife piece. Is that if you do believe at the end of your life that there is a heaven and hell, then you're going to desperately believe that Jesus paid it all. Someone read Colossians 1.19. For God in all His fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through Him God reconciled everything to Himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Amen. Made peace with how much? Everything. Everything. Does that include all of it? (laughs) Did we miss something? So do you see why that was probably real celebratory? Because remember where we came from. We came from a time when we had to do everything in order to be right with God, Jesus said, I've come to fulfill all that so that if you'll believe in Me, then My body, My body... And by the way, gang, you've got to remember this. This is a freebie. His body was not broken. The bread was broken. He said, this represents My body. His body was never broken. It was pierced. If you go back and read it, the soldiers were going to go and break his legs in order to complete the death quicker. But we'll see in Psalms and in Isaiah where he fulfilled that his bones would never be broken. That he was pierced for our transgressions. I think there's a pretty cool song that says that, right? 
I wish I could sing it. All right. Is everybody ready to teach that when you come out of here? What about the cup? The blood of Christ. Huh? Let me read Luke 22.20. This is Luke 22.20. said, After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and His people. It's an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. And so we partake of this. Why? Anybody ever wanted to be a blood brother? This is more of a guy's thing. When you were like, damn. Did anybody else ever want to be? Did anybody ever follow through with it? Man, I was so chicken. I would have some guys that would go, hey, they called me B when I was growing up. Hey, B, you want to be a blood brother? And I go, I do, yeah, that, that sounds like fun, why not? And they say, well, you got to cut yourself. And I go, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> but if I had some kind of accident and, and I came up bleeding, I would look for that guy and say, hey, I'm ready. <laughs> you want? You, you ready? Never happened. Jesus' blood covers how much? Everything. All right, so why the blood, Bivo? If someone were to say, why the blood? What's your answer? Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Amen. What does blood represent? Life. Bingo. Mm-hmm. Bingo. Remember the garden? Adam and Eve crunched down on the apple. What was one of the first things God did after that? He pushed him out. He slayed an animal. He sacrificed an animal in order to get the skin to cover them. Right? And the blood of that animal represented life. And ever since that time, there was always shedding of blood to represent the sacrifice of going, hey, God is who He says He is. I believe Him with everything I have. He knows me better than I know myself because He blew life into me. So I'm going to do this every year, every year, every year. And then Jesus comes on the scene and He says, I've got it for once for all time. You no longer have to do that. And so we do this in remembrance of who? Jesus. Yes. Now, let's get down to the last part here. Mike, Sir. God's economy is money. God's economy is blood. Amen. <laughs> and for a world out there, quite honestly, they go, you guys are kind of freaky about this blood stuff. Yeah. Really? I mean, really. Think about it. You go... You sing about blood. What's up with all that? But there's a reason. You have to get to the point to where you know what their thoughts are about afterlife and if there's any price to pay at their death. And again, if they don't believe that at the moment, and you just keep loving on them. Okay? This is what I want to unpack at the very end because I believe we'll all leave here much more happier than when we came in. Because I believe this is where the last part of uh, what we read in Corinthians about you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. And if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're bringing judgment upon yourself. Man, I heard that for years. was absolutely beat up with it. And, And one time I finally... Realize, I go, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure I'm examining the wrong person. 
that if I'm examining myself, in that examining of myself, is there belief? Do I believe that Jesus Christ is who He says He is? So the answer for us would be, what? And we just went through everything. So if there's, if there's, is there anything that Christ is going to hold against us in our faith in Him? Is, have we been deemed holy and blameless with our yes through Jesus Christ? Yes. All right, so what is He talking about here in the examining? Here's what I believe He's talking about is just that. What's your motive in the partaking of the bread and the cup? Are you waiting on others? Are you helping others to make sure that the motive of our Lord's Supper is being taken in a manner that gives Him glory and we're just not turning it into a big old drunk fest? The examining me, because if I start to examine me and say that I can't take it because of something I'm doing, you'll never take it. I've got a little story to tell you. I was at one of the old barns, man, and we had just, that, that light bulb came off for me, and boy, it was free. No fella, he came up to me afterwards and he goes, Look at there, Bivo. And at the place we were worshiping, they had a little chiclet size. He opened up his palm and showed me that chiclet size piece of bread, and he said, I didn't take it today because I examined myself and found myself unworthy to take it. I said, well, I'll be. <laughs> You're remembering the wrong fella. I said, you'll have a dresser full of them little chiclet-sized pieces of bread if you're waiting on your worthiness to do it. Christ died and resurrected to make us worthy to partake of the bread. That's why He said, come and eat. Do this in remembrance of Me. So if you've ever been holding yourself back, let tonight be the first night that you take of the Lord's Supper that where He paid the price for it. And the examining is saying, Father, I believe that Jesus is who He says He is. I'm going to take the body of Christ and I'm going to do this in remembrance of Him because through His sacrifice, through His blood spilled for me, Everything's been paid for. I no longer have to look at me. I'm just looking to Him. That's the examination. Last piece. Do you believe it ought to be a celebration? Huh? Hey, the tomb's empty. The tomb's empty. The tomb's empty. I do too. I think love feast. It was called love feast. I believe we ought to honor our first century brothers and sisters in how they celebrated the Lord's Supper. And that they did not hold themselves back. That they knew that they had been redeemed from much. That they knew that they had been made perfect and holy and blameless by what Jesus did not by anything we could ever do. So I say let's party. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, that's exactly what we're going to do.
I just need a couple of people to stand up here and hold this. And what I would love to see, Lord, as I pray over and with everyone, that we just get in huddles, that we get in bunches with one another, and that we just practice hearing ourselves pray over, Father, thank You for Your body that has made me blameless. Father, thank You for the, for the cup that represents Your blood that makes me holy. Lord, there's no way to say this wrong. Father, You empty the tomb out for such a time as this. I thank You that we get that, that we understand that, that Father, through our examining of ourselves, that we have this incredible belief in knowing that You are who You say You are. And Father, then that makes us who You say we are, and that's redeemed and free. And so we're going to live like that. And we're going to continue to love on a world, Father, at times that doesn't want to be loved on. So Lord, I thank You for the love that's shared in this place, the power that's in here, the strength that's in here, Father, and the courage that's in here. I know that's all driven by You. So Lord, we love You. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.